We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we started doing virtual visits. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. Hey, yo, what's up, everybody? It's me, Joey P, Joe P. Zafia, and this is the Rotowire DFS podcast sponsored by FanDuel. I am your host, and with me every Monday to recap the weekend that was and look ahead to the week that's going to be, it's the one, the only, the other Joe, but not the lesser Joe, Joey B, Joe Bartel. What's up, homie? How you doing? I'm I'm doing all right. I'm not quite sure what the cadence is right now with this, but I can, I can work with it. Uh, I feel like we're back in the mid-2000s. Oh yeah, it's we're somewhere around there. Look, I think we all just need to say a prayer and be thankful that none of us play wide receiver for the Giants and that we're all still here Monday morning because they're that getting was, paid millions of dollars. I'll still I'll still sign up for that. Yeah, you'll sign up for that. All right, you know what? Count me in. I'm with you, buddy. Because wherever you go, I go. We're partners. That's how we roll here. Uh, it was certainly an adventurous weekend in the world of fantasy, in the world of daily as well. I have to say, my FanDuel lineups did better than my lineups on other sites, so I, I'm pleased about that. You know, sometimes the one guy in the other spot that you just don't go through uh, with and, and change it to last minute, that's the one that kills you. And, uh, I, I, you know, two weeks ago, I told myself, leave it all alone. Don't touch anything on Sunday morning unless something is horribly wrong. And, of course, two weeks ago, I was fine. I didn't touch it. This week, I fiddled a little bit. And, of course, it got me in trouble in one spot on the other site. So no what are you sticker gonna do? tinkering. No, no sticker I know. tinkering. I know. I get, I get to, like, handcuff myself away from the keyboard. Uh, and it's funny. It's, it's, it's taking out a player that I was recommending to everybody else. And then at a certain point, you go, well, but maybe. No, don't do that. Just stick with the process. Trust the process. Trust the process. All right. So let's get to it, Joe. Let's start with uh, the quarterbacks. And, look, let's start with Cam Newton uh, this past weekend because – I was certainly questioning whether or not that was going to carry over the New England game, and um, I was cautiously optimistic. I threw him out there on all my season-long leagues, but look, 8,400 this week coming in uh, to the Thursday night game. I mean, three touchdowns, uh, that's 300-plus uh, yards. Cam Newton, is he back? Is it safe to say he is now back to that somewhere or at least close to that 2015 Cam Newton? Man, I, I think you have to kind of lean towards the yes is your answer. I, it was one thing to do against the Patriots defense, who we're learning is, is trash except for Thursday night games, which they can do just fine in. 
Um, and then it's another thing to do against that Lions defense, which I don't think is as great as some people have suggested it is, but it's still pretty darn good in my opinion. So to have them, to have them put together those type of performances, it's great to see that he's actually targeting Devin Funches. I feel like he's the main receiver on that team at this point. And then the Ed Dixon resurgence uh, with Greg Olson out has been a different story altogether too. I think that I'm optimistically saying, yes, he's back. I, there still isn't a lot of rushing yardage that we're getting out of him. And I think that's where that, again, that dynamic for Cam Newton, he's on a different level when he's able to do that rushing stuff. Uh, and we saw a few goal line runs, but it's still, still not quite there yet. Um, I, I'm, I'm a little cautious though, because he plays Thursday. So and we'll get to that. I think in a little while, but I'm a little cautious in that sense. Long-term. Yes. I think Cam Newton is back though. Now there were two quarterbacks that uh, John McKechnie and I on Friday gave you that we liked a lot. One was Dak Prescott, who was going to be a cheaper fade from Aaron Rodgers in the same game. That worked out well. And the other one who was even cheaper than that was Deshaun Watson going back to the well, despite the tougher matchup. Now I understand a lot of that action came in the second half, but I really don't care. As long as it comes within the four quarters, that's all I care about. And Deshaun Watson, a 35 point day. Now that's the man that made my FanDuel weekend. I can tell you that I did uh, pretty decent there with those guys. So Deshaun Watson now going forward, I mean, until that price, and, and you can even look at it because next week the price is starting to inch up there. Next week uh, in terms of pricing, you're looking at Deshaun Watson at 7,900. So he's getting closer and closer to that, you know, 82, 84. Next thing you know, you know, he'll be up there with the elite if he keeps this up. But what were your thoughts on the Deshaun Watson performance in the second half yesterday? I, I'm kind of with you. Junk time is junk time regardless, especially when it comes to daily fantasy, but also season long too. Like I, you can kind of wipe that away. Like, Oh yeah. You know, Deshaun Watson, he threw two touchdowns or three touchdowns in the second half when it wasn't even close. But at the same time, we saw this performance against the Titans the week before. And even against the Patriots, we were seeing sniffs of Watson potential to be one of the better fantasy quarterbacks in, in all of uh, fantasy. And I think that I think we can't really discount that anymore. I mean, he's going against the Browns next week, which should be a pretty good matchup, almost too good. Like, I wonder if he won't be able to put up this, these numbers because they'll just be beating the Browns so badly. But at the same point, at 7,900, I still think he's a reasonable play, at, in my opinion. I'm not sure what you're thinking, though. Yeah, I, I think so far is reasonable. I, I think that once he crosses above like that 84 threshold, that's where I really understand. I want my quarterback to go two times value. And the only way I'll pay up for a guy – and the higher echelon above that is a spot where I know he's going to go three times. And if you're, you know, like Tom Brady against the Jets coming up, that's one, you know, Drew Brees. There's another one. There's a couple coming up this following week here as we head into week six that I think can go three times. That's the only time I pay up for the Super League quarterback is when I see a three-time slam dunk game. Other than that, give me two times a quarterback, and that allows me to spread out the money a little bit. Uh, Carson Wentz. A 300-yard game for him with four touchdowns against a tough secondary. That was an outstanding performance for Wentz. Not a lot of ownership on him. Obviously, a lot of ownership on the other side of Carson Palmer. So it was kind of disappointing there. Alex Smith, Joe, another 300-yard game, three touchdowns. Who is this man? He's playing as if he was, I don't know, drafted number one overall. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's like he was drafted over Aaron Rodgers, too. And he's showing it performance-wise. And I agree with you. I, Alex Smith is... I think the biggest takeaway from season long leaks as far as storyline goes, like I just don't, I don't understand it. I, I can't rationalize it. Um, he has played this way for what, 10, 12 years of his career. And now we're seeing just a completely different quarterback. I think that the offense, you're finally starting to see what this chiefs team can do with the weapons that they have. Um, and, and frankly, he's, he's about as underrated star QB as you can get right now that that's I mean there's so many guys who just listed Carson Wentz Deshaun Watson 
Um, Cam Newton, too, is a guy that you're like, oh, we're burying him, and then he's come out of the grave, too. And I think Alex Smith is tops among all those guys as far as, wow, where did this come from? Yeah, I, I agree with you 100% there, buddy. All right, let's uh, let's bash somebody because that's fun. Uh, <laughs> let's bash Ben Roethlisberger at his five picks. You know, I hammer Ben Roethlisberger on a weekly basis about how bad he is on the road, but I know the Jacksonville defense is good. My goodness, Joe, Ben Roethlisberger on the road this week was absolute dumpster fire on top of a tire fire on top of some sort of swampland. <laughs> And now going forward, I don't know if you can feel good about him anywhere, home, road, all over the place. In the offseason, Joe, he was contemplating retiring. That was well-documented, and maybe he didn't inform the team, but it looks like he might have already hung it up. <laughs> yeah, the Big Ben and Larry Fitzgerald are your, your go-to jokes, it feels like, for every podcast. And I, once I, I was watching the game. Hey, you got to stick with the material that works, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's got you at this point. It, Keep rolling it, with it's it. It's killing in Toledo. I'm huge there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree with you. And I was kind of – I've always been on Big Ben's uh, fantasy train, at least for the most part. Um, throughout his career, I thought he was one of the better guys and pretty consistent too. I was a little wary this year, and I think we're beginning to see the signs of what's going to be a QB that's just a decline. Eli Manning, same boat too. I don't think I'm tossing Philip Rivers in there, but that's another one of those guys in that same draft class. You're like, well, maybe they're just maybe they're just done. Maybe this is the end of the era for that 2004 group. And I think Big Ben is one of the first guys that I would put off that list. I mean, 55 attempts against the Jaguars, and they were down for the most part, but two pick sixes really puts that in perspective too. And really that interception at the end, even if his guy hadn't slipped, that was not a good throw. I don't know, like a veteran quarterback doesn't make that throw, but yet here he was throwing it. It just felt like, it felt like he gave up a little bit. And I, I think that's weird because he's throwing again 55 passes, but it just felt like he gave up. And I'm, I'm very, very worried long-term for what Big Ben can do fantasy-wise. I'll tell you what, it makes you think about if Rivers ended up on the Steelers or the Giants, how many Super Bowls he would have. Because I always said that he's a better pure thrower than either one of those guys. And, uh, you know, it all goes to show you, too, it, a lot of it depends on where you end up, what organization, and what they can surround you with. So uh, careers could have been very, very different, uh, that's for sure. Uh, an awful outing from Jay Cutler, another guy who I think has quit. Uh, you could throw him onto why, the pile. Why don't they have Matt Moore in yet? Like, I, I haven't it's yet coming. heard one reason why Matt Moore shouldn't be in there. I think he was the better quarterback to start this oh, season. 100% he was. You know, this is the member berries of Jay Cutler, but you what you forget is that Jay Cutler quit when he was playing a couple years ago. <laughs> he quit. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think it's a name brand kind of thing or – Gase just felt like, well, he knows the offense well, and it'll be something I could fall back on. But you know what? Uh, I'd be shocked. Doesn't if Matt Moore know the offense too? <laughs> uh, he does, you would think. He's been on the team for at least two years. Another quarterback change. Well, that quarterback is change is imminent. And look, winter is coming, and so is Matt Moore. So I could trust to sure. Now, that'll be an interesting one tournament play if and when Matt Moore does take over the reins because depending on how cheap he is, if we get news maybe during the week. That could be something that goes into. Also, you saw Kevin Hogan take over for Deshaun Kaiser, which is something I also called this week uh, that was clearly, you know, the, the rope was over. It was cut. That was it. There was no more turnovers. He couldn't turn the ball anymore. And he did, and that was it. And he pulled him. And look, I, I think this is positive for Isaiah Crowell's value going forward. A little bit more stability, a little bit more completion of drives. And all of a sudden, Isaiah Crowell, I think, is going to go back into the fantasy conscious in season long and in daily as well. So keep an eye on that. Let's go over to the running backs that blew the doors open. And pretty much it was a letter for net day. I mean, we got to stop and talk about this guy. He's got a touchdown in all five of his games so far. He might be the underappreciated 
unheralded MVP of the season so far. Now, I understand Kareem Hunt's numbers are off the charts. I get that. I understand Alex Smith has played great. Brady's played great. But if you want to talk a man that is the offense right now, how valuable is Leonard Fournette been to that Jacksonville Jaguars offense? Everything. Absolutely. Everything. I don't, I don't think that's close. I, I thought with Allen Robinson down, that was going to be a bigger deal for Leonard Fournette because defenses could key on him even more. I was a little wary how the Jaguars would use him. I thought that maybe they would try to space it out with Chris, Chris Ivory and maybe get a, like a Corey Grant in there too. And Leonard Fournette wouldn't be able to do um, really what he, what he's talent wise was supposed to do with the, after LSU, um, after he left LSU, I should say. So I, to me, I was like a little worried about him. I didn't, think he was worth the high price tag and second round pick for season long leagues was a little worried about the DFS price too. I think we can kind of erase that. Um, I, I just, he won't be able to do what he just did uh, Sunday. I don't think he could continue to do that. Obviously he broke off a 90 yard run at the end of basically junk time scoring too. So I, I, I don't want to discount Watson's junk time scoring. I don't want to discount Fournette, but that's there. Like we have to take that into account too. That being right. said, uh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Joe. No, I just, I think that Fournette adds a lot to that offense, but, I don't know how much I really want to put into him um, based off of what we saw Sunday. Yeah, well, look, I mean, the other one long run that obviously, you know, added to that total. But, you know, that's what we keep talking about. You know, having those playmakers in daily, the guys that have that ability to break away and make that one big play, that's the difference of you cashing in a tournament and then finishing in the top 10 in a tournament. You know, you have that kind of guy who has that potential. Now, there's a guy that I was off of and he was owned in not a lot of you know, percentages. I got this one tournament here where Aaron Jones was only owned in 2.7% with good reason. There was a muddy situation. And all of a sudden Aaron Jones came out of the mud looking like, you know, a rock star threw up 19 points on FanDuel score with 125 and a rushing touchdown on, and nine receptions, as, uh, nine receiving yards as well. So I guess the question bears now going forward is Aaron Jones, a guy that is going to start to take the reins over there and it's not going to be Williams or is this all just holding the place till time Montgomery comes around? I personally think Joe Aaron Jones is a guy that kind of fits more of the change of pace, not, not change of pace back, but the change of pace that offense needs a guy who's a little bit more of a tough runner. And I think that was a good compliment to the Aaron Rodgers pass heavy offense. What say you about Aaron Jones? I've been saying since the beginning that I didn't think Ty Montgomery was a starting running back for the Packers. Mm-hmm. I think that he could definitely come in and, and be, um, I don't want to say a gadget player because that, that diminishes what I think his talents are, but for lack of a better word, that's kind of what I thought he would be. And I thought either Jamal Williams or Aaron Jones would be the starting guy. Frankly, I thought the Packers would pick wrong. I thought they would go with Williams because to me, Aaron Jones, since week two of the preseason for the Packers, has been the best running back on that team. And now we're finally starting to see that. What you didn't say, and what I think that needs to be pointed out, is he provides a different level of explosiveness to that running game that, frankly, we haven't seen, At we being a Packer fan, that's me, haven't seen, uh, I don't know, since like Amon Green days. Like Ryan Grant wasn't ever a guy that was explosive. He was no, they really, you know guys. what, we were, we were talking about that before on other shows that I host on Fantasy Network. You know, that Packers running back scenario since Amon Green has really been, like you said, there's Ryan Grant's, it's the um, uh, Najee Davenport. I mean, every year yes. it's like some other guy. Yes. And you just, and it's just, they're all just Jags, man, at the end of the day. Eddie Lacy would provide um, explosiveness and just that he would be able to truck people. But there wasn't times where I'm like, oh, he's going to break away for an 80-yard run. Aaron Jones, I think, can do that. Maybe not every carry, but I feel like he has that potential. To me, and I don't know really what that Cowboys defensive line is. I, I know that they're great at pass rushing. Stopping the run, I'm not uh, – you know, I wasn't really high in them entering the year, and they haven't really shown me much. So I'm trying not to overplay too much and get overhyped. But to me, Aaron Jones was the best running back on the Packers staff 
to begin the year, and we're now finally starting to see that. I know Montgomery's probably going to play when he comes back, um, but broken ribs isn't anything to scoff at. I think that Aaron Jones has a, a chance for two, three-week window here where he is one of the best fantasy running backs in the league. Yeah, next week they have a matchup coming against the Vikings. Now it's in Minnesota. Let's see what the Vikings do tonight. Let's see what Bradford and Trubisky and all that stuff before we – you know, go too far. We'll talk about that a little bit too. We talk about the Monday, Thursday slate coming up. Uh, let's talk about a couple other running backs that uh, we touched on on Friday's show. Andre Ellington, I said, would be a lock to go two times value in this one. I expected more than that even, but he did do his exactly two times value as promised. <laughs> I make dreams come true. That's what I do. He was 5,400. He got 10.8. Huzzah. Uh, I love it when a plan comes together. Duke Johnson, also another guy was very much on to give you two times value. That's what you're looking for. Can you do two to three? And he did that. He did a little two and change there action. Uh, another good game from Duke Johnson, who continues, I think, to not get enough credit. And his price, Joe, continues to be around that 6K mark, making him an outstanding value as a second running back in Fanduel scoring. That's actually who I had as my second running back. And unfortunately, I guessed wrong in the first one. I thought we had discussed this last week, Todd Gurley being matchup dependent, uh, or is he just matchup proof? And I was leaning more towards the matchup proof. I thought he'd do okay against the Seahawks. Not the case. Good old four points for me there. But Duke Johnson, definitely. Because the Browns are trailing so often, I think Duke Johnson almost has that target threshold where you almost you have to play him. Like, it just he's going to be out there for so many snaps that he's due to get, uh, you know, 10, 12 points. And that's what you're looking at when his price is only at 6000 Whether If it goes up, then it's a different question. But to me, the Browns are so bad that Duke Johnson has almost unlimited uh, ceiling, I guess is how I describe it. Yeah, Ezekiel Elliott was my other running back in a lot of lineups, and uh, he was good, not great. And that's the trick, you know, when you're paying up for a big-time cash running back, you know, who's 9K almost, he better go 18, and he didn't. He fell on just a run under 14 points, and that's not where you got to be. All right, let's go over to the wide receivers. My favorite wide receiver last week was DeAndre Hopkins. I got to say, I was panicking just a little bit when we hit the half, but <laughs> things turned around in the second half, and, well, he added a couple more touchdowns there. Uh, a great day for him. Usually it's been the system of volume in terms of targets for him. That's the reason why uh, I've been so much on that wagon of Hopkins. And last night he made up for it with uh, an enormous amount of touchdowns. So I love that. And look, next week he's playing the Cleveland Browns. I mean, a team that's 20th against the pass. Uh, I, I know this, the, the front of the Browns is pretty decent, especially with Garrett back, but my goodness, I'm looking for another big game, and I'm going to roll over yet again with DeAndre Hopkins and maybe Deshaun Watson as well. Well, if Hopkins is 7,700 on FanDuel like he was this week, that that to me screamed automatic play. Like I, I had yeah. Antonio Brown as my big guy thinking that the, the Steelers would have to force him the ball, and even despite Big Ben's uh, demise, I think that Antonio Brown still remains a good play, and we saw that again with his 20.7 FanDuel points. Um, but Hopkins, if he's around that price tag, I don't know why you wouldn't play him. I think they're like they're asking you to play him, and I, well, I'll keep going with it. Yeah, he's 8K coming into this week, which is you know I think easy still play for me. Easy, easy play. I mean that's like that Mike Evans territory where you're getting a number one at one A pricing and just lock it up, sign me up whenever it is. Now, unfortunately, Jordy Nelson did not come through. Um, it's very rare that that happens, so you just kind of shrug it off. His ownership was through the roof; it was 37 percent. Uh, and I'll tell you what, you know, Devontae Adams is the one guy that killed me on the other side because I, I had Devontae Adams. I knew he was going to play because of the concussion. I was concerned, and I was like, oh, what if he gets hurt and re-injured, then he comes out, then I'm going to get a zero, and I can't afford a zero. So I went with Martavis Bryant. I pivoted there. Bad move by me in the full-point PPR on another site, and unfortunately I should have stuck with Adams because Adams was a guy who held in the touchdown. So it turned out to be an Adams game. But 
as Bryant did have the game that we were hoping for. He went two times value, so another positive there. And despite Ben Roethlisberger being a complete waste of space, Antonio Brown <laughs> did put up a huge day, 10 catches for 157. Is Antonio Brown, outside of that like last, game, last week when he put up his worst game of his career, he's pretty much, I mean, week to week, I mean, it's matchup proof, right? I mean, you know, he's just Antonio Brown at this point. Yeah, that one to me felt like they were, that was going to be an overcorrection to what we saw last week and all the media coverage and, oh, you know, Big Ben kind of throwing Brown under the bus, so to speak, on that radio uh, show the other, I don't know, what last Monday, whatever it was. It felt like this was going to be an easy game. And I think Jalen Ramsey, who was covering Brown for the most part, actually really did good coverage-wise. It was just a matter of they were, they were literally forcing in the ball, especially when they were down so much. It just seemed like they were just trying to boost his numbers. Great for fantasy owners. Um, great for DFS players, too, like – to me, that felt like that was a given what was going to happen. So Brown and Hopkins, two guys, and I feel comfortable starting Brown next week too, despite whatever Big Ben's probably going to throw up stinker-wise. I'll still put him in. I, he gets so much looks. Uh, he still can score touchdowns too, despite the fact he doesn't get that many red zone targets. I, I like Brown week in and week out among those top wide receiver guys most weeks. All right, Travis Kelsey at the tight end position was good, as was Zach Ertz, who again, five straight weeks, five straight double-digit points I mean he is just incredibly consistent and right now if you're not paying attention to what Zach Ertz and Wentz are doing you're just doing it wrong Uh, 12 targets he's got double digit targets in three of his six games excuse me three of his five games already to start the year Uh, the other two he had eight so I mean he is just a steady diet of Zach Ertz getting the ball and that's what you want he's got two touchdowns on the year already Uh, really uh, another outstanding outing and this week he's going to be on the Monday Thursday slate so we're going to Probably go down to that well again because with the rest of those guys being Ed Dixon, who I don't care how many yards he had, I'm never going to put Ed Dixon into a lineup. (laughs) (laughs) Kyle Rudolph, Zach Miller, there's just too much question mark uh, tight end situations there. Uh, Another guy I want to talk about is Hunter Henry, who we were talking about on the podcast on Friday too, is another must start. Giants against tight ends. It's death. It's taxes. It's the Giants failing against tight ends every single week. It just, it gets to a point where next week they're playing Denver and I don't think I could go Virgil Green, but my goodness, it certainly gives me pause. <laughs> well, why wouldn't you go AJ Derby? I, I well, yeah, well, there you go. You nailed it. No, I'm not I even know, I know you're like, not I think Derby's you. the play, a, a very good play, similar guy, kind of probably around the 4,000, 5,000 price range. He's likely going to get four or five targets. He had that great touchdown catch, uh, what was against the Raiders before right. that. Um, like, I, I think that he's easily a play, especially given how bad the Giants start stopping the tight end. Oh, I can't imagine that. That. Giants offense now with no wide receivers. And, you know, we have to talk about that too because now you got Odell Beckham off the board. Not that necessarily you want to use him against the, the Broncos next week. We'll see, you know, the extent of that injury as we get more information here on Monday. But, you know, geez. I mean, the Denver Broncos defense is 5,400 next week. I don't know. I mean, I know Houston is 54-2. They just lost J.J. Watt. I understand it's Cleveland. I understand it's Cleveland traveling into Houston. But, my goodness, it's hard not to pay up for – the Broncos defense against that giant team that can't run the ball and now has no one to throw the ball to. That's true. I, I tend to like to go uh, cheaper. I went with the Jets route against the Browns, and that did okay. Obviously, if you went cheaper as well and got the Jaguars, um, that, that worked out really well this week. I don't think that's going to happen most weeks, but I just don't I don't like to pay up for the defenses all the time, but that might be one of the time, one of those instances where you almost have to, in my opinion. 
All right, if you're looking for more DFS advice, rotopros.com is the exciting new website in the fantasy industry. It's a site built by DFS players for DFS players, a group of professional daily fantasy sports players built rotoplayers to be a place that contains all of the information they use to build winning lineups with everything from articles, projections, uh, they've got optimizers, podcasts, and player picks. They have everything that you need to know how to become a profitable player. Ever wondered how the pros do it? Well, Roto Pros has a chat with 24-7 access where you can talk full-time DFS players about strategies and lineups. This is more than just information service. It's a community, and they want you to be a part of the team. So sign up at rotopros.com and turn your fantasy into reality. All right, Joe, let's, let's break down uh, Monday, Thursday here coming up because we've got uh, the Mitchell Trubisky debut tonight. I don't know about you, but I got my popcorn ready. I'm very excited. Uh, I can't wait to see what it is. Uh, and we're looking at the slate now. We're getting good news so far about Sam Bradford. He had practiced all week. Um, they expect him to play, so I think this is a positive. Of course, he's coming back to an offense now without Dalvin Cook, so I don't know how that reaction is going to happen. But you got Cam Newton, Carson Wentz, then you got Bradford and Trubisky. Now, if you're playing cash games, would you go with Newton or Wentz here? And if so, which one or the other and why? Where would you go if you're going to spend? Because there's a $500 difference between the two with Cam Newton being the premium. Well, first, I feel like a, a dumb, I'm going to say dumb butt uh, for suggesting that the Bears should not start Trubisky against the Vikings last week in the podcast. And of course, mid-podcast, the, the tweets come out that Trubisky is, in fact, the starter. I still stand by that fact. I don't think they should have started him. Of course, they are going to. Um, they will not listen to me, which is fine. I would hope they wouldn't listen to me. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that's going to be a tough matchup for him against the Vikings. So I'm staying away from him. Given Cam Newton and Carson once, that's kind of the direction I'm going. I think I'm leaning towards Wentz at 7,900 as opposed to 8,400 for Cam Newton. I want to use that $500 savings elsewhere. And I think we'll get to where we want to use it at. But to me, I think they're kind of similar players. Cam Newton maybe provides the, the higher potential, but I'm a little wary about a Thursday night game between both of these guys. I could see stink of potential for both of them. And frankly, I think that Wentz gives me a little bit of a safer floor in that sense. Yeah, and as much as I want to make a case, see, here's the thing. Part of me wants to make a case for Bradford and fade both of them. But because I haven't seen him play in a couple of weeks and because I haven't seen the offense now with him and without Dalvin Cook, I have more questions than I have answers. And Chicago's yeah. been a little tough at home. They've been a little chippy defensively at times. You know, they've kept some games closer than, than others. But, you know, I, I think for me, I'm actually going to go all the way to the top with Cam Newton. I'm, I'm going to pay the premium and I'm going to hope for a little bit more of this rushing Cam Newton running around a little bit and being a little bit more athletic and dynamic. Uh, and I'm going to do that because I'm looking at a running back slate where I don't have to pay for any of them because all of them are, you know, secondary. I mean, Jordan Howard's a RB one, but still not a guy that's blowing the doors off on a weekly basis, a little bit of inconsistency. You got Christian McCaffrey who, you know, Jonathan Stewart was atrocious this week. I mean, I, I, the line on Stewart, yeah. uh, let me pull it up here because that, that was one where you look at it and you go, my God, 18 carries for 21 yards. I don't even know how that happens. I don't know how you can carry the ball that many times and have that few yards. Like we've seen already this year, we had Ezekiel Elliott, we had LaShawn McCoy have those bad like nine for 11, but they only carried the ball nine times, right? right. 18 for 21. You had a lot of chances and you did nothing, which to me reeks of, it's time to get Christian McCaffrey a little yeah. bit more oriented. And I am spending a lock $7,200 on McCaffrey this Monday, Thursday slate. 
I don't know about Locke because I just don't – I feel like they don't know how to utilize him. I, all the talk heading into training camp was, oh, we're going to be using McCaffrey as a receiver and as running back and splitting him out and using him in kick returns and punt returns. And it felt like, oh, the Panthers actually made a good pick here that I thought McCaffrey was worth that high of an investment in the NFL draft. And to this point, they haven't utilized him as such. I don't understand. He feels like a Tavon austin light kind of player – when in reality, he's way more talented than I think Table. Oh, well, yeah, he's in the wrong offense. I mean, could you imagine Christian McCaffrey playing with Tom Brady? What oh, kind of horrendous be, sort of – I mean, they would just roll <laughs> offensively. Yeah. I mean, terrifying. And you know what? Don't be surprised if that doesn't happen one day where McCaffrey, you know, maybe doesn't reach his potential in Carolina. Next thing you know, old Bill – gives him a call and he's on the Patriots in a couple of years and Tom Brady is 57 years old and still playing quarterback. Uh, the rest of this slate here, you got Latavius Murray, you got Jarek McKinnon. I prefer McKinnon because of the receptions. I think that's the way I would go. He's only 6,200. Uh, I know he's not an exciting back. I get it. But I think that that's where I would rather put my stock this week in the quarterbacks and the wide receivers than the running backs. So that's why McKinnon's the guy in play for me. Is there any way to make a, a, a case for Latavius Murray or a case for LeGarrette Blunt in, in either of these contests? I'm not sure about LeGarrette Blunt. I think that the Panthers' defensive line is pretty good, and I, I think that both teams will move the ball, but I'm not sure how close they'll actually get to the red zone. And that's where I think Blunt makes his money is that you have to get actually scoring touchdowns. I don't see that happening Thursday. Um, but I think that there's a case for Latavius Murray. Now, he's the third highest running back on the slate. And to me, that's like, well, wait wait a second, why? I mean, he couldn't even beat out, you know, he, he wasn't even that good with the Raiders last year. I, I think at times he was deferring to both Jalen Richard uh, and uh, I always get them messed up. The Dwayne Washington or whatever. One of the Washingtons uh, for the Raiders was better. So George. Yeah, it could, it could be too. I think Latavius Murray has a chance to do well. I think Jarek McKinnon is the better running back, but I don't think that he can be out on the field the majority of the time, whereas I think that the Vikings offense still has to re- rely on that running game to make everything else work, whether it is Case Keenum or Sad Bradford in there. I think Latavius Murray has to be the guy that does it. I think he still has some burst. I think he can get some red zone carries, and I think that's really all we're looking for at 6800 price tag. I feel confident enough putting him in this week as opposed to most weeks because I don't think the Bears' defense is that good, even if they're at uh, you know primetime matchup at home. All right, Stefan Diggs is 8,200. He's the top of the wide receiver board in the Monday-Thursday slate, and I'm all for it. I want the volume that I think uh, Diggs and Bradford will create there. I think Thielen automatically goes back into play as well. Jeffrey, I'm sort of uh, slightly sketch about. Kelvin Benjamin, on the other hand, though, uh, as, as slow as he might be, you got him, you got Funches kind of right around that same 7,200 price. Look, he hasn't been blowing the doors off, but Benjamin has been – you know, at least in the last two weeks, basically returning two times value or somewhere close to it. I feel okay about Benjamin. It's like I can't buy into Funches yet. I don't know why, and maybe that's my fault, but there's something about Funches where, you know, I, I guess I guess I need to get over myself because he's got three touchdowns the last two games. And if you had to spend between the two of them, would you go bun, uh, would you go Funches or Benjamin? Give me bunches of Funches. I, I'm all in. I've been all in him on since uh, really the Kevin Benjamin injury where we thought he'd be out, you know, for a couple of weeks. I was saying, okay, Devin's got to be the guy. And even before then, he was kind of turning into that. I think that Funches actually is the Panthers' number one receiver and Benjamin's the number two, which is kind of funny because Funches is priced $400 less than Benjamin. I'm honestly looking at playing both of them. I, I think that there's 
enough targets and enough passing that's going to happen in that game where I could see substantial uh, production from both of them. And I feel confident using them and digs. That's where I'm putting that QB money that I'm saving. I'm getting all three of those guys. And we're just rolling with, I think, the three best talents on this slate. All right, two more guys I want to point out here. One is Nelson Aguilar coming off another decent game where <clears throat> I, I I will throw my hand up and say I am, I am a Nelson Aguilar hater. Uh, and right now he's bookended week one and week five with two 17-point performances in between, a whole lot of nothing. I think this is a GPP play only. If you're playing tournaments, you could throw a shot in there because he's cheap and pay up for a quarterback if you want to and, and take a shot. Maybe you go with Wentz and Aguilar and you want to pair them together. That's okay. The guy that I think is kind of sneaky under the radar is Kendall Wright. That's another one I think is more of a yeah. tournament play. But Kendall Wright, you know, last two games have been okay. He's been decent enough. I think he's hovering right around price-wise where I feel very comfortable. And I think if there's one guy that I do feel comfortable with, Trubisky, it would be Kendall Wright because the style in which Kendall Wright can play, you know, breaking away when a play breaks down, I think Wright's able to do that. I think Trubisky will be able to make plays happen because he does have that ability. And I think that's a thing that, you know, will make up sometimes for a bad offensive line. Some people say that it's the opposite. I, I don't find that to be the case. I think sometimes when the quarterback has the ability to escape and make a play, sometimes hides the issues of an offensive line because what happens is the defense again feels defeated. You know, you have a good pass rush, you break through, the quarterback escapes and then makes a third down. Everybody just goes, ugh, and the air goes out of the bubble. So I think that's where Trubisky's value lies. I think Kendall Wright might be the beneficiary. Yeah, and I agree with your assessment as to what Trubisky can do. I, I mean, I've heard from multiple professional offensive linemen that's saying an athletic move, moving quarterback is actually tougher to block for um, and makes things more difficult. But I know what you're saying as far as demoralizing the defensive end perspective. I get that. I actually am going to go with Tariq Cohen or Zach Miller as two guys that I think will benefit from Trubisky as quarterback more. Obviously, Cohen's been a pretty big standout thus far this season, and I think that he's a guy that really will be a good playmaker both Trubisky and Cohen seem to get a, a bit of a rhythm in the preseason together, and I think that there's a lot of talk. If you just kind of read the local reports that those guys they were just chummy together. They're getting along. And then Zach Miller, on the other hand, like a rookie quarterback always tends to throw to his tight end. I don't know. Like There has to be some statistic that says tight end does much better. Well, because it's the check down. You know, right. it's because, you know, you, you're unable to recognize the downfield coverage, so therefore it's just a little safer. You know, it's the security right. blanket. I, I think at 5,900, Zach Miller's about as safe a floor as you can get for a tight end. I think that he gets double the value easily. Whether he gets a red zone touchdown or not, I, I probably am going to lean towards no, but I think that he gets close to it within the targets alone. He's just going to get such a, such a good floor of targets that I think I, I feel confident with that if you're not going to go the Ertz route. And I know I'm yeah. ahead a little bit there, but that's that's my opinion on who benefits from Trubisky playing. I agree with you 100% on that. I think it's Miller or Ertz, and, and your reasoning Miller spot on, and don't be shocked if he doesn't have a decent game. He could even throw in a touchdown there too. But because I still think Chicago offensively will be limited, I will go with the Vikings defense. I know the Eagles defense has played pretty well, but I'm going to take Minnesota with the rookie quarterback and see if I can get a turnover or two and make things happen there. Uh, so that's, that's your Monday-Thursday yeah, slate absolutely. right now. Uh, yeah. And looking ahead to week six, before you do, you have to realize over two and a half million players have won cash prizes playing on FanDuel to take advantage of our special offer for new users. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash Rotowire and you'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than one million in cash prizes with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Rotowire, void where prohibited. You can follow him at JB Fantasy Sports. You can follow me at Joe Pizapia 17 For everybody here at Rotowire, have a great week of Daily Fantasy. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.